Welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman. I hope everybody is staying inside, staying safe, um, spending time with your families, and just, you know, I wish everybody the best right now. It's strange times that we're in. On uh, this edition of Florida Basketball Hour, Eric Fawcett and I will break down the season in review with listener questions. We're going to do basically our season review based on your questions about the season, about the team, about the program. It was a really fun show to do, so I um, hope you guys enjoy it and it provides you a bit of a break. Life without sports is, is hard, man. It's weird. Um, so we hope this is uh, this is fun for everybody. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman. I am with Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. Uh, Eric, season and review episode, probably a little earlier than we thought, but I guess if you're a cynic, you could say it's second round Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> and this could have been the end, although we'd still be doing a show on that game. So I guess, um, I guess still like, a little earlier than, than everybody would have thought. Obviously, uh, I'm still shaken up by the fact that we didn't get our 96 hours of madness. Yeah, that was a tough one, man. Uh, on Thursday especially, like I kind of, you know, saw it was coming. But uh, uh, just as soon as I woke up on Thursday, I mean, like that's my, you know, regularly favorite time of the year. Uh, yeah. That's my favorite day of the year, like like truly. Uh I've missed all kinds of other kind of sporting events for, for various things in, in my life. I think that, uh, uh, I, I don't know if, I don't know if I, I don't know when the last time I missed uh, one of the Thursdays, Thursday, Friday, the NCAA tournament, like uh, for anything was. So of course this one was, uh, was forced out, but I mean, yeah, I, I took it a little tougher than I, uh, uh, than I kind of imagined. I mean, that's just a lot of, uh, uh, of course, what you and me do, Neil, that's talking about Gator basketball, writing about Gator basketball, like, uh, yeah, doing some other writing I do for for basketball. It's uh, it's all kind of geared towards a couple weeks in March and April, and uh, yeah, for it to not be there, that's uh, it stung a little bit more on Thursday than I expected. And it's still as uh, still as stinging, but uh, man, all I want to do is, is is talk about Gator basketball. So I'm just so glad we're doing this. I mean, uh, I feel like I could do like a a Joe Rogan esque like four hour episode just because. Uh, uh, it's just great to take uh, take our minds off everything going around. So, uh, oh which we gosh. won't do that for people listening. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm just super uh, super happy to be here, Neil. So, uh, thanks for having me on for this. Of course, and we are going to do some fun. We're going to get some fun shows. Um, we're going to try to get some guests. Uh, that it's not something I do a lot because there's all this basketball to talk about during the season. But we're going to try to we're going to try to help people weather this pandemic with some podcasting the best that we can we'll do our part to give you guys content and hopefully uh, everybody stays safe uh, everybody stays inside just do your part to to uh help us get through all this in, in canada in the united states wherever you're listening um so we're doing season in review tonight and you know last year we did like half a show I went back and listened and we did like half a show where we kind of went player by player. And I think we could do some of that, but what I wanted to do was let listeners drive the, 
the season and review show a little a little more. So I wanted to start with listener questions, and luckily uh, Eric agreed to do it that way. So I think um, we'll just dive right in. And I think you know I'm going to read your name. If you asked a question, uh, you're going to get your question on the air because we're going to answer all of them because that's what we do. Uh, so I guess without any further ado. Um, we will start with Tempestuous82, who asks, with Facet gone, who are the bigs outside of Omar Payne next season? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, obviously, you've got Omar Payne. You've got, you know, Jason Jatobo, which I'm sure could be mentioned in the same breath. Uh, Neil, I'm going to throw it to you pretty quickly here, but uh, I think the next discussion is how much does the team see Osai Osifo playing, uh, playing the center position. Uh, it's yeah. something that, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not really sure about quite frankly. Uh, so I used to be the, uh, the resident expert on, uh, on Osifo. I watched his first 12 or 13 games. Um, I did not watch any other after that, just no, for no particular reason, just because uh, by that point it had gotten to, uh, you know, conference season of the SEC and all that. So, uh, I was watching more of that, but hey, uh, your guy's got some time now, so uh, so I'm probably going to catch up and, and watch a lot of that. Um, but I will say this, uh, I, and I think I mentioned on the podcast, and I've wrote about it, written about it briefly. Uh, I've not been super impressed by his defense, and he is someone who's a great athlete, and I think that that's a lot of uh, a lot of what Florida was looking for when they saw him. Obviously, he was a guy with a, a good frame, uh, who's a good athlete. Uh, but, and is also a, a, just a great young man by all accounts. Uh, but really like, you know, when you see someone with that frame and, and someone with that athleticism, I, I think you're looking for a high impact defender, uh, at least in the first half of the season, uh, he was not that in what I watched. So, uh, of which there have been people who told me that he was just like, uh, really improved, uh, during the second half of the season. So I'll, I'll be watching for that. Uh, but right now, if the plan is to, to really play him at the five play undersized, I'm uh, I'm not too sure how how comfortable I feel with that. But what about you, Neil? Yeah, I think he's going to play power forward. Um, so I'm going to kind of I think that there will be possessions where if he's in the game, he'll play the five, Eric. But I think with Jason Jatobo on the roster, it seems to me like he would predominantly play power forward, or at least if he plays when Jatobo plays, he would play power forward. Is uh, is there a guy between uh, Payne and uh, Jatobo that you think is going to be start- like? If you had to say now, uh, you know who is starting for the Gators on on day one of the season, uh, who do you think would start? And uh, if you want to throw in who you'd like to see start, uh, uh, I too. So my take is that they're both going to be effective players next season. Um, so maybe that's a little hot, but I like the way that Jason came along in the last month. I was really encouraged by some of his minutes, uh, especially defensively, and. And, you know, I mean, he's a different kind of defensive player, but still, you know, you saw some of the usefulness of just having that big body down there. And he's a little quicker than I think either you or I anticipated. Like, he's not particularly unathletic. Uh, So he's just big. Um, Now, he's not John Agbunu athletic, right? He's not jumping out of his shoes with that frame. But – he has a little more athleticism than I thought. I don't know about – I shouldn't put words into your mouth, Eric. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's he's a little more athletic than I thought. I kind of had this idea, to be quite frank, of a guy coming off an injury that was a little overweight that, you know, had nice hands 
and maybe was going to have a decent offensive game and was just always going to be a work in progress on defense. That's not really what I saw at the end of the season. But I think no. – Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I was really impressed with the, uh, the way Jatoba moved his feet. Uh, uh, and that, like, like I wrote about in that one article, and by the numbers, he was Florida's best uh, – well, again, this is pretty small sample size, but if you wanted right. to look at a points-per-possession number, he was Florida's best pick-and-roll defender. Uh, and I thought he uh, moved his feet really well. He understood the angles for, for hedging really well. Uh, and really steered ball handlers, kind of made the ball handlers go backwards or towards the sideline. Uh, I thought he did really well there, but he didn't do a lot of other things, a lot of other things well defensively. Uh, and uh, so it'll be interesting to see how those kind of catch up uh, going from being a freshman to a sophomore. So, uh, and uh, again, really small sample size, but he was a good rim protector on a very small number of possessions. Uh, but I mean, if he can guard in the pick and roll quite well and just, you know, be big in the paint, and uh, Florida can kind of scheme around that a little bit. Uh, he'll definitely be in the mix, but I, I would have to guess still that uh, that Omar Payne starts. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting if both of those guys are effective, like you were mentioning. That'll be just kind of really fun uh, to see those guys kind of combine for 40 minutes. Yeah, no. So um, that's kind of where they're at on bigs. Uh, we're going to get more into that discussion as we get through listener questions. Sarah in Tampa gets question two. With the departure of Dante Bassett, who else from the basketball team do you think is leaving, keeping in mind that COVID-19 might affect a lot of things in terms of who decides to go and stay? Uh, great point, Sarah, about COVID-19, um, coronavirus. Uh, I think it's going to make workouts hard for guys to declare. I actually think the NCAA might do something in terms of, like, Oh, I should never – this is a stupid statement by me, Eric. Me, me <laughs> I wanted that, to know where you are headed with this. I, I yeah, <laughs> me thinking the NCAA will do the right thing. Uh, in a world where the NCAA does the right thing occasionally, they would just say, we're not going to have a deadline on declarations. Like, we're just going to let it be a free-for-all this one time. And if you're not drafted – um you know, you can go back as long as it doesn't affect scholarship limitations, something, you know, I don't know how that would necessarily work. Even if it's just an, I think an extension is probably more likely, but okay. So like for a guy like Keontae Johnson, who I think Eric thinks is going to go pro, I don't know how much the calculus changes because there's so much on film that like, and his athleticism is so obvious that I think Eric may have ended up being right in that debate that Eric and I have had for over a year about who, when does he leave sophomore year or junior year? I'm actually starting to lean towards Keontae going, but I do wonder if COVID-19 changes the calculus for Scotty Lewis. Cause I think he's a player who would benefit from interviews and who would benefit from, you know, Hey, here's my jump shot in an open gym. It's not a fluke that I shot, what 37% error uh, from three. Um, so I think I do, I wonder if it changes things for Scotty a little bit, whereas it probably doesn't change things for Andrew. Keep in mind that this is my take and Eric is an NBA draft expert. So if Eric says, uh, Neil's totally wrong about Keontae Johnson. And in fact, he needs those workouts and it's really only Andrew Nimhard that doesn't then believe Eric, Sarah. 
<laughs> I, I mean, I don't think that Keontae Johnson needs the uh, the workouts. He's definitely someone that if he went to the workouts, it would go extremely well. But I do think that there's uh, enough tape on him. And, and especially, again, if there is not going to be a traditional kind of workout combine summer for the draft, uh, I do think teams are going to start to look at just kind of like a little bit more production, uh, like what are kind of like safer draft picks. Uh, versus taking some higher swings, so so I actually still think that Keontae Johnson is going to go. Yeah. Uh, I I don't think it's yeah I, I don't think the the lack of workouts would uh, uh, you, I I don't think that, that yeah I, I do think he would be better off if he had some workouts, but I don't think it's damaging enough that he would he would stay back. Uh, I also think Scotty Lewis is gone for sure. I just think the risk of him getting uh, maybe exposed is the right word if he stays in college and and doesn't have. Uh, a better year uh, I, like I think for him just like the the move is going to be let's kind of go on pedigree of uh, what he did in high school I just I just really can't see him coming back uh, I actually have kind of changed my to- tune on uh, Andrew Nemhart, who I did think was going to go uh, I, I think he's someone who would have needed the uh, the workouts he's also someone who could and uh, this is a whole nother discussion uh, he's someone who maybe if he was able to get another summer with Canada basketball in the Olympics uh, maybe would have a little bit of uh, of intrigue in that. Well, actually, I mean, the Olympics say they're going to, the, the IOC says that the Olympics are happening, but I mean, like, uh, we'll see. But, uh, uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, that that actually does strike a nerve for me. Uh, side uh, note. Me uh, too, man. New, uh, uh, there's a new sport in the Olympics this year. It is three on three basketball or three X three, as it is called in. Uh, and uh, I have been consulting with Canada's team, who has a great chance of uh, qualifying. Uh, they would very likely qualify. And uh, oh, their world qualifiers Sorry, was man. supposed to be last weekend. And uh, that obviously didn't happen. Uh, of which, if they decide to just do it by rankings, Canada will be in the Olympics. They just needed to not screw it up in the qualifier. But, uh, yeah, that's another team that I uh, that have been uh, uh, consulting with is Canada's three-on-three team. So uh, I really don't think the Olympics are happening. But, man, it would have been cool to say that I'm uh, – working with an Olympic team. So, hey, we'll see. Yeah. Maybe next year, maybe four years. We'll see. Uh, but anyways, I, I do think that Nemhard actually, I've kind of changed because I, I, I do think he's actually going to come back to Florida. Um, that is like lightly, lightly, lightly sourced from my, uh, just a couple feelers I've put out to, okay. to some of my contacts through the, uh, through writing for NBA Canada on the draft. But I, yeah, like, uh, and he's someone who I do think would need workouts. I'm just not sure on film he would pop quite enough uh so he's someone i've kind of changed my tune on so i the, my official answer to the question I've, i i think i'll say that andrew nemhart's coming back and uh and, and lewis and, and johnson will be gone those are my that's kind of my which that's where i'm at right now i guess i never answered the question that I? I just kind of gave analysis <laughs> oh that's fine then you can't be wrong or right yeah <laughs> right no i do i think keontae johnson leaves and, and i i think scotty lewis returns and i have no idea what andrew nemhart's going to um, and, Would and you, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, here's a question. This is just a side note. We don't have to get. We've got plenty of other questions. How much do you think Scotty Lewis returning would help the Gators? Like, what do you? What kind of impact do you think that Lewis would have as a returner? I'm just. I, I it hasn't even really entered my my mind since I've just always thought he's going to be on it. Maybe yeah. take clock, and that's why I can't get to where you are. Uh, but I haven't really thought of it, so I'm just interested if it's like since it's crossed your mind that maybe he returns, like what kind of impact do you think, think he would have? So I started thinking he might come back towards the end of February, right when he started to play well. 
Um, and I didn't know what would happen with this team in March. And my kind of thought was if they get to the second weekend and Scotty plays well in even one of those games and is kind of like, why? Then, you know, okay, bye-bye. But I really do think that – and Malik Grady, we should shout – we shout out Malik a lot, but it's because he's smart. Um, <laughs> Malik's the one who pointed out to me that, you know, Scotty's a guy who's going to blow people away in interview rooms, right? And so I think he is disserviced a little bit by not having that opportunity. And I'm not sure that he's put anything on film other than a 37% three-point jump shot that encourages people enough offensively to say, we're going to pay you a contract, a guaranteed contract. They might say, we're going to take you in the second round and you can come to camp. But I think Scotty has enough upside where he can get into the first round if he comes back. And so I think you kind of make that calculus. And I also think this is not a Devin Robinson situation, Eric, where he's 22. Like, yes, he's a little older, but he's not. If Devin had come back for his senior year, Devin would have been 23 by the time the draft happened. And I think that would have made a huge difference. I don't know if, you know, so like I'm just kind of throwing these things together. And now with COVID-19, I think he comes back. So that's my thought on that. Now, if he comes back, let's assume that he comes back and Nibard comes back. I think it helps Florida immensely because, you know, I like the idea of Florida would actually for the first time be able to play like one of those FSU lineups that drives people nuts where they could go Nimhard, Lewis at the two, Daruji, Rusensev, wherever you want them, and then Omar Payne. And they'd just be freakishly athletic and then have Andrew Nimhard. Yeah, that'd be that'd be interesting. I uh, yeah, I'll have to kind of think about like, yeah, what I what I would think if uh, if Lewis came back, what kind of impact that would have? Because yeah, it hasn't really been in my in my thought process. But uh, uh, yeah, I think that's uh, yeah, you've definitely yeah. I'm interested what the what the listeners think for sure. I just I just really can't see Lewis coming back and just like when you spend the summer before going to Florida with the at the you know the USA basketball program and he's. Uh, playing one-on-one with DeRozan in front of scouts and, and, and everything like that. And it was just like, if high school players would be drafted, he would be in the, he would be a lottery pick. Uh, I know the season didn't go uh, obviously as, as well as he would have hoped. And, and many of us would have hoped, but uh, at the same time, I still think there's the pedigree that some team is going to be, uh, be interested enough. And uh, I guess, you know, maybe part of that, that too is just like, hey, does Lewis want to get back into that conversation, give himself a chance to get back into that conversation as a lot of Yeah, people. right. Uh, and, yeah, and I don't, uh, don't know what he would do there. Well, I mean, and the thing about lottery pick, and, and the reason that some of the Kentucky players have come back and ended up in the lottery is that, is the point John Calipari makes that, you know, the first contract, everybody's like, oh, the second contract's where you get wealthy. And, you know, Coach Cal's little quip that always gets airtime, and I'm sure that he sells real well in living rooms, is <laughs> the first contract matters too, right? And, and so, you know, what, what kind of value does Scotty place in the – now, I don't think Scotty Lewis is the kind of kid who would ever bet against himself, right? Like he's going to bet on himself, but you can bet on yourself smart and, and you can bet on yourself and hope and, like, I just feel like if you're in a situation where you're not sure about guaranteed money, you're kind of betting on yourself and hoping, and that's not necessarily, I think, the best path. But uh, you know, I'm not counseling him or anything. So the people that that do do that, 
um, you know, they're going to have some interesting conversations, I'm sure, in the next couple of weeks. And we'll figure out where that is. So, you know, it's kind of funny because that's, that's what's happening. We saw Anthony Edwards declare today. And people are going to start kind of announcing their intentions um, pretty quickly. Uh, so, Notorious Big K wants to know, uh, what do you think Florida will do on the grad transfer market? I'm hoping that they land a wing or nollies from Virginia Tech. I guess he's a wing, but he could shoot and score. Yeah, I, that's tomorrow's article for me to work on. Is, is okay. Take a little there bit it is. of a deeper look into the uh, into the transfer market, uh, both the grad transfer. Yeah. Uh, sorry, did he say tra- grad transfer? Or did he say just transfer? Uh, in this question, transfer. Sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry. I just was interested because I, I I know Landers Nolly is uh, is not a uh, not a grad transfer, but he's a wonderful player. So uh, that's definitely someone like Landers Nolly. If if Florida could. Uh, could get him and get the next uh, guy in the Virginia Tech pipeline, uh, he'd be wonderful. Uh, in terms of grad transfer, it, it's pretty interesting because uh, the guys that at least that it's been made uh, known about, uh, the grad transfers that Florida has looked at are all big men. So, uh, and same, well, and even a lot of the transfers too, like even Joshua Morgan, who we saw at Long Beach State, uh, he's uh, he was someone that Florida reached out to. So, if you want to just look at early returns on who Florida has reached out to, it's been big men and then Landers Nolly. Uh, of course, that's at least what's been made kind of public, I guess, or what's what's kind of known. But uh, yeah, it's and it's interesting because they've looked at a grad transfer big as well as a couple of transfer bigs. So like true transfer, like Joshua Morgan, for example, from from Long Beach State, he's someone who's he's a freshman. Uh, so you know that's it, that's not something you see too. Or I don't, we haven't seen in a while. Definitely not under White taking the uh, the kind of just like. Uh, freshman and then get him over there. Uh, so, right. Yeah, but uh, I, I'm always interested in wings. And again, if if Scotty Lewis and Keontae Johnson uh, leave, which I think is going to be the case, Florida's got some nice wings coming in. I, I just still would love more. I would love to have more versatility. I, I think Rusensev is wonderful. I think he could start next year. Uh, I love Daruji. He's probably someone Florida sees at the four a little bit more than the three uh Niels Lane you know you're more of a fan than me but I haven't seen as much and uh but I definitely still like him uh I think he can be a contributor but like still I just would love to have more wings and uh as it's currently looking it looks like Florida might be relying on both of their freshmen to be wings uh or sorry both of their freshman wings to be playing more minutes and that you know could work out it's uh it's uh maybe a little worrisome so I would love to see Florida go after some wings, but uh, uh, everyone wants wings. So it's a tough position to, to land. So uh, there's, there's just not a lot of guys in that range. There's just less of them in college basketball. They're at a premium. So it, it would be tough. Yeah. Kevin Marfo is a graduate transfer that I know that they've, they've talked to as well. So um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think if they do it, they're going to go big uh, with a big man. Uh, that was, Anthropocino's question is too: Is any predictions on what additional recruiting might look like now? It seems like power forward and center are areas of need. And yeah, I mean, one one question I had for you, Eric, in that vein is like Florida has kind of shied away from traditional fours. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there was one that we, you know, you and me really liked in, in Zed Key that uh, it seemed like they kind of cooled off of. And uh, yeah, it's just it's really interesting because a lot of the teams that 
stay away from true fours uh, are the really wing heavy teams that want to play like six, five to six, seven guys from the two to the four. And Florida hasn't really, you know, hasn't really been able to do that. They've got one guy who's six foot five or, you know, like six foot four, like, like our man Igor. Uh, and then you still have smaller wings beside him. And I just, yeah, it's just one of those things that like, I, I can kind of understand why uh, you, like there's not a lot of Zed keys out there, like true kind of power forwards that can really score and, and still defend. Uh, so I understand why you maybe want to modernize and, and stay a little stretchy and smaller. But again, I think if you're going to continue to play guys like Keontae Johnson or Igor Kulikov, at those positions, I think you've got to get bigger at the two and three spots. And right now, like, I mean, it, it, say, say Nemhart comes back, uh, or even if he doesn't, I get like, uh, your guys at the two and three for some of the stretches are going to be like your Noah locks a little bit smaller Trey man, uh, you know, decent length, but not a bigger guy. Uh, if you have Nemhart coming back, that probably means you have Tyree Appleby playing next to him. And that's kind of smaller. Like, again, I, I just think if you're going to go small at the four, you need more length at your other positions. Yep, I agree with that. Uh, Eddie Del Cid, how many scholarships are open right now? Three, Eric? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, three. So um, that number's probably going to change. <laughs> but uh, that's where we're at on that front. James Swafford, a two-parter. Um, on the season review show, can you please discuss which games caused the season to disappoint? Had UF won close games at UConn, Utah State on a neutral floor, sort of, in parentheses. Home games against Miss State, a home game against UK where they had a huge lead. They finished 23-8. at eight. Instead, uh, they finished 19-12. Of course, if you had, UF had not come back against UAL and UGA at home, it would have been even more disappointing at 17-15. and 15. I guess young could be an excuse for the wild swings, but other young programs do not seem to do this. Okay. Last part of the question I don't agree with. Other young programs do do this. Uh, and Florida was younger than those teams. Florida's 344th in experience. Um, so in terms of just age of roster, they were one of the youngest teams in the country, one of the 10 youngest, right, Eric? Um, but they also returned three starters and added like an all of ACC grad transfer. So like the core four of their starting five was old, but yeah, I mean, other teams do do this. Kentucky lost to Evansville at home. So like, you know, young teams do crazy things. UNC, I don't know. Did they finish 500? I don't think so. Um, so uh, that part I disagree with now is for, I mean, you kind of identified him, James. You know, Utah State to me was was wildly disappointing. UConn, that was their second game with, yeah, second game with uh, with Booknight, or their first game with Booknight. Yeah, either way, I don't, I don't think Booknight played in that one. Did he if start my, playing? If memory, if memory serves, he, start he started playing to play the, like right after. He didn't play till the Charleston Classic. Yes, unfortunately. Does that change your opinion of that loss? <laughs> yeah, it actually does. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, because he's a great player that they, yeah. Uh, he's fantastic. Um, he's kind of, yeah, I mean, he's terrific. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that's tough. It's a tough place to play. Florida should have won that game uh, in hindsight. Um, I thought the Mississippi State game, you know, I on the last show I talked about it. I thought the coaches made up. I thought they made tactical errors that cost Florida that game. 
and then obviously Kentucky. So yeah, I mean, I think you've identified kind of the four games. What's interesting to me is like, if you look back at the season, Eric, like Florida state was just really good. Right. Yeah. So, so I mean, okay. They lost FSU oh. again. It's a pain. Yeah, national but... championships. If you, d- depending on what Senate you ask. Her. Yeah. Well, you know, I was wondering about like, so if the Florida Senate is just going to declare people national champions, like Florida clearly won the gymnastics and baseball national championships, right? Oh yeah, that okay. is only logical to. <laughs> to I think I need to, I don't know if Florida Senate has a Twitter, but I gotta I gotta hit them up if they do because that's that seems like an important Twitter campaign. If there's any such thing, it's an important Twitter campaign. Do you have anything else to add on this question? Like it's like James broke it down well enough to where like I'm not sure we can add much. <sighs> Uh, the only thing I would like add is, is not a specific, well, I'm actually going to start. I mean, I just did that, uh, that article that you were a part of Neil, where I just like asked a bunch of people, a bunch of questions and called yeah, it a great season piece. recap article. And I asked Graham Hall, uh, our good friend, just one of, uh, something very similar to this. And I asked him something along the lines of, I don't remember my wording, but it was, uh, at what point did you kind of start to sense that this was not the team that we, we thought it was and, uh, you, he, you know, he mentioned that it was as, as kind of as quick as UConn. And it wasn't like like that loss wasn't the moment where you're like, wow, the season's over, obviously. But I, I definitely think you can look at that one as really the point where I started to be like, wow, this uh, this offense is not what I expected. And yeah. uh, their defense wasn't horrible in that one. But I, I kind of like I really didn't like I really don't think UConn was that good. And uh, just th- the way it went down, it it definitely illuminated a lot of uh a lot of the concerns, I definitely don't think it was like the point of, you know, four games in, it wasn't the, the point of no return. But I just, the one thing that's crazy is if, if someone said getting embarrassed at Florida state, I would call that an acceptable answer. If someone said UConn, totally acceptable answer. If someone uh-huh. said getting embarrassed at Butler, that's an acceptable answer. If someone said Utah state, totally acceptable. Getting blown out at Missouri, that would be an acceptable answer. Mississippi state, like, like, so there was like, there was like six or seven games that you could point to. And I would say like, yeah, that's a good answer to this question, which is crazy because you think that there'd be kind of one turning point where everything goes wrong, but it is crazy that like you could argue any of those games, uh, whether, you know, you could look at the Utah state as the, uh, as the point where it was the end of kind of the non-conference schedule when you were like, wow, Florida just really didn't beat any of the good teams on their, their non-conference or, you know, at least the, the best kind of teams they'd face because Providence wasn't Providence yet. And Xavier was Xavier at the time. And, uh, you know, you could have said, you know, losing to a rival at Florida state in the second game of the season, you could have said lo- getting blown out by a really bad Missouri team. Like there's just so many acceptable answers to that question, which makes it like, just show what kind of a wild and, you know, fairly disappointing season it was. Yeah. Altery Gilbert and Christian Vitel went seven for 23 from the floor. And Florida lost. And Book Knight didn't play. So, yeah, that loss is probably – that's a great point. And a great article that Eric put together if you haven't checked it out yet. Uh, A lot of really interesting stuff. And it was funny, like, it's cool that you asked some people that are traditionally affiliated with the Hive and they were, like, able to step back and, like, provide answers that were a little more fair than they sometimes are on social media. Yeah, no, I, I was really, uh, really thankful that like most of the people I asked said yes. And uh, uh, the guys that couldn't had really good reasons why. So like, yeah, uh, really thankful to everyone because I mean, some of them will definitely listen here. So very thankful for all your, um, all of your time because uh, 
Yeah, I just, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, people were like, you know, good article. And I was like, Matt, I, I didn't do anything. This was yeah. a cumulative effort of everyone else. Like, I didn't I didn't have any takes in that article. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really yeah. thankful to everyone. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I definitely uh, thought everyone just gave some really thoughtful answers. There was a couple that I, like, uh, didn't expect to turn, like, uh, uh, like someone who I love for his football writing, Will Miles, uh, read uh-huh. reaction. Uh, I asked him about, uh, about Kerry Blackshear, and I was like, uh, you know, what are, what are going to be your takeaways? And. Uh, you know, I don't really know what his takes are on, on Blackshear, I, but I thought it was like, hey, it could go a few different directions. And he just gave such an awesome answer. I won't tell everyone what he said because uh, you should read it out of out of his mouth. But uh, uh, yeah, and I, just, I don't know. I like I asked some people some tough questions and they like gave some really awesome answers. And yeah, I'm just really thankful that people would uh, would give their time for something like that. Yeah, no, it's really good. Um, Victor Lopez asked. If they bring in a grad transfer, it will be a big question mark. Uh, I, I mean, if you look at what they are trending towards, I would say that's that's definitely correct. Um, I honestly wouldn't be surprised by anything really. Like, um, obviously, I mean, if they bring in a wing, uh, you can never have enough wings, especially the way that you know if Johnson and Lewis do go. Um, obviously, getting someone experienced at the center position would be a uh, uh, some nice insurance there. Uh, you know, you get someone who's maybe a more natural power forward can always kind of find a spot for that would maybe be a little bit more surprised if Florida were to, were to get a, uh, kind of a traditional point guard. Uh, but Hey, like that's another one. Like if you want to ensure a good basketball team, always having as much experience as possible at that position, that's, that's always good. Uh, so it wouldn't, nothing would really surprise me, but I think, yeah, you look at the offers Florida has, it'll uh, out right now. It's looking like it would be a big. All right. Gator bid 08. Uh, give me a starting five in a world where Nimhard leaves and Lewis leaves, but everyone else is back. Ooh. Yeah. You, yeah. Do you, do you want to start with this? So, I think our answers might be the same, but you, you better start. So I'm going to go. Tyree Appleby, Trey Mann, Keontae, Teruji Payne. Okay. That would be my would, that would be my starting five. I would take out I, I would take out Trey Mann and, and put Noah Locke in that position. Nice. I would certainly understand. Yeah. yeah, and I would certainly understand, you know, starting man. Uh, but I do think that uh, yeah, I just think if you've got someone like Tyree Appleby who's just such an electric scorer. Uh, if Keontae Johnson's back, he's going to be uh, a low two. And uh, uh, what Daruji is going to offer is someone who can attack off the bounce of the floor. Like, like I think Daruji, like, like I think Keontae Johnson is just spectacular to clo- at you know attacking closeouts. Something that I've mentioned a billion times. But uh, Daruji's like going to be similarly good. Like he from from what I saw, he's going to bring a lot of that as well. Uh, so you've got someone there that's going to get penetration. Uh, I think just having your, you know, your spot up shooter, that's uh, the best spot up shooter in the SEC and Noah Locke. I, I think having him out there with the starting group is the best move, but like, Hey, okay. I, I, I'm definitely expecting man to take uh take a big step up. So like, and when he does, it's going to be tough to keep him off the floor. So I could see him uh, getting in there, uh, playing down the stretch and whatever you want to say there. Yeah, I like that. That's that's good. And we could mix and match that for Gator Bit 08 and do like what what if so what if it's Keontae like what if I'm right and it's Keontae and Nimhard that leave and then let's do one where it's just Nimhard back. So like if it's just Nimhard back, my starting five is Nimhard, 
man. Uh, y- you know what? Yeah, Nimhard man resents have Darushi pain would be probably where I'd go in that scenario where it's just Nimhard back. Yeah, just Nimhard back. I like to me. I, Could go three I, I think Applebee's. Back. I mean, I like Applebee is is in there for me. I think yeah. no matter what, like he, like I know he is smaller, and that kind of like uh, hypothetically makes it tough in some scenarios to get him in there, but uh, he's just that good offensively. And, you, you can start uh, three guards. there for me. Yeah, so I'm going uh, – so so it's just Nemhard back. I mean, I'm going – yeah, I'm going probably – no, I'll, I'll still go the two. I'll, I'll go uh, I'll go Nemhard. I'll go Daruji. Uh, then I'll go Rus Hensev. Then I'll go Daruji okay. and then Omar Payne. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I still would, like – that's another – like, I, I think Rus Hensev is, is good enough to contribute already. Like, I think he the polish he has – uh, offensively for someone who I also think is going to be able to, to kind of compete defensively as a freshman because of his size and athleticism. I just think he's going to be a, like just a really good guy who could be a really good complimentary piece just because he's going to be able to rebound and catch yeah. and shoot threes uh, and also be able to run out in transition. Like he, I, I think he's going to be a really good complimentary player right away who obviously has the upside too to like handle the ball and make some plays too. But I will say my, my one take, I guess, like throughout that I know just the one lineup you mentioned didn't have him, but like uh, Appleby to me is like going to start like no matter, like in my mind, I think he's going to start no matter what. I just think he's that good. And I would also say that like, you know, barring like everyone being back, I also think Daruji is going to start because I think he's that good. And I mean, they're, you know, going to be fourth year players at the time. So it's not like a hot take or anything to suggest. No, that well, be well Daruji is an all conference player too. So like Daruji's an all league guy. Whereas, like, an Appleby is a leading scorer. So, like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, not only are they, like, fourth-year players, but they're good. So, yeah, it's not really a hot, it's not really a hot take. Um, so, if it's – yeah, if Nimhard is gone but Lewis is back, then for me that changes it a little bit. But I still would say Appleby man, Lewis – Daruji pain. So it doesn't really change anything for me. The one, the one difference I guess would be in a world where Nimhart's back for me, I think Florida might be very tempted to play three guards. And by the way, Villanova's done that a lot. Auburn does that has done that a lot. I mean, that's not like anything novel. And I could see Mike White doing that because he likes small ball anyway. Right. And uh, I also just have one more thing to add, because I do think that some people talk about the Tyree Appleby season where he just like, like, so, you know, in his last season at Cleveland State, he was like an elite score on heavy volume on good efficiency. And he also had an assist rate that was higher than Andrew Nemhart's. And so his numbers are just ridiculous. And I know some people say like, oh, it's Cleveland State. Uh, it's the Horizon League. Uh, right. It's just something that I think people need to remember is so that le- that year that uh, that that uh, that Appleby did that uh, they were the 18th best conference uh, according to Ken Palm. So like they weren't like an awful like it wasn't an awful league by any stretch. So he was it was still a good league that he was putting up these numbers. Like I'm not suggesting he's going to go do it at the SEC level, but it wasn't like he did this at like a low major terrible conference. Like he did it in a really good conference. And, uh, you know, you were mentioning Druji being a, like an all-league player. 
So Conference USA was the 16th best league. So like, I, I think a lot of people see it as like... I did not know it, that, obviously. No, yeah, so, well, yeah, I, I don't think we because I think a lot of people see, you know, Conference USA, uh, they've got some really good basketball, which they definitely do. Uh, and Jeruji kind of made things happen there. So people, I, I feel like people have been talking like, oh yeah, Jeruji's for sure going to translate. But like, people are like, not as sure about Tyree Appleby and like his, you know, that was the 16th best league according to Ken Palm. The Horizon League was 18. So uh, I, I think they're both going to be really good players at Florida next year. Uh, but I just, that's just something for people to keep in mind. And this wasn't like, like Appleby had incredible numbers in what was like a solid mid-major league. It wasn't like a low major. I think some people talk about his time. Like he was just like dominating a bunch of crappy teams. And that just actually wasn't the case. He was playing, playing against good basketball teams and none of his teammates were good at all. And he was getting all kinds of defensive attention and was still super efficient on heavy volume. So as you can tell, I'm very excited to see him play. <laughs> uh, love it. Adam Zagoria. What up, Adam? Uh, you guys are big Will Wade fans. Is he going to be the coach at LSU next year? <laughs> when does that HBO documentary come out? <laughs> I just love it like, with like a national writer's like, let me drop into the FBH listener questions pod and, and hit them up with a question about Will Wade. As you know. What did you say was Adam Zagoria? Yeah, we don't have anything oh, better to do. Oh, I just uh, thought, I thought you said Adam Zagoria and I'm like, huh, that's interesting that there's some fan who's got like a similar name to Adam Zagoria. But uh, it actually Adam, is, that's actually Adam Zagoria. Actually Adam Zagoria. Oh, that's awesome. I love him. That's great. Uh, <laughs> Adam, I don't think Will Wade is going to be the coach at LSU next year. If 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 what keeps like leaking on the media on the internet, I mean, you see, I think Adam would know better than us, and he's just trying to get us to give a take. But like, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, if it's, if it's as bad as people say, like, I can't see how. But you never know. I mean, until LSU, they might just be like, whatever. <laughs> well, that, that's kind of the stance that they took last year, and I mean, right. like, if you'd have said last year. Do I, would I think he'd be the coach this year? I would say absolutely not. So I obviously would have been <laughs> wrong. So I'm like a little shy to be like, yeah, I don't think he'll be the coach next year. Uh, so for that reason, honestly, I am a little shy to say, no, I don't think, because I didn't think that a lot of these guys would be coaching this last year. So I'm just like, <laughs> I, I, I don't even know. But uh, so, I mean, I want to say no, but I mean, just the way that college basketball has gone and, and handled the whole thing, I, I, I'll say, like, uh, until it happens, I don't know if I could ever be totally sure that any of these coaches <laughs> thought would be gone or going to be gone. I hope they hire Leonard Hamilton if he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably uh, got another 15, 20 years in him. He's yeah. immortal, so that's... <laughs> <laughs> he's only 72, and in vampire right. years, that's like 12. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> my theory that Leonard Hamilton is actually a vampire sucking the lifeblood out of Florida's basketball program appears to be more and more true every season. Bull Gator. Uh, what will be the effect of losing two big men to the transfer portal? Uh, I mean, I don't, I think we talked about it a lot. Like I'm not sure really that there's going to be a huge impact like Dante Bassett from a toughness perspective, from a, everything that he contributed off the floor, community, students, all that stuff, great. But I think probably best for both parties if he moves on. And then uh, Gorzak Gat didn't play. So, you know, I, I really don't think that there's a huge impact. Well, I, I, I mean, like, I, I love Dante Bassett, so I kind of, like, 
it really just like pains me to say anything that's like maybe kind of negative towards him. But I mean, how can you be sure that he would have contributed next year? Uh, because I'm just not really sure he would be healthy enough to uh, to play. I mean, I thought he was going to be able to play this year. And, um, you know, maybe there's a chance that some of those DNPs are just like light minute games where just because uh, the coaching staff liked Payne or, you know, Jatobo more than him in, in those situations. But I think a lot of it was injury. And I just, uh, yeah, I'm just not entirely sure that he's someone who could be relied on. And this is like multiple, multiple seasons in a row where, where Florida has really been handcuffed by having big men on the roster that are not able to play due to injury. And I just don't think they want to keep going down that road where uh, like, I, like if, if I'm Florida, just with kind of the things that I've experienced over the last few years, like I, I just want to make sure guys on the roster are, are healthy enough to contribute or they're uh, you know, they're something being used productively like a, a, as a redshirt transfer or something like that, or even a true transfer if they're uh, healthy and just working on their game. I, I just think that Florida is probably going to stay out of, wanting to fill these scholarship spots with uh, uh, with players that they're just like not totally sure can be healthy. And uh, like, I mean, like, honestly, like if, if Vegas set a line at uh, would Dante Bassett play a hundred minutes combined next year? Oh, that's the over under. Like, uh, I mean, wise money would be on the under based on what we've seen so far in his career. So, uh, so unfortunately, like I really like him and uh, when he's been healthy, he's, he's contributed and, and been a positive player. Uh, I just, the, the health thing is just so unfortunate. I really feel for him. And I just yeah. really hope he can stay healthy because like, honestly, if he's healthy, I think he could go to a decent league next year and, and compete. So, uh, and be a good productive player. So I really hope that that happens for him. And I uh, think Gorjot Gak is the, you know, that to the extreme where uh, I just can't say, I like, I just, you, the smart money would be on if he stayed in Florida, that he probably wouldn't be able to stay on the floor for too long. So I just don't see his departure as, as a problem or anything that really uh, affects Florida. So uh, another player that I absolutely wish the best to, and I, I really hope that he's able to, uh, to stay healthy for a season and, and set him up for something uh, that could come after the season. Yeah, no, oh, all good points. William Norris, longtime listener, really smart fan. What letter grade do you give the coaching staff? Uh, what can the staff do to become more consistent? Um, so we talked a lot about the second part of that question on the last show. Uh, you know, I just think that they need to adapt to personnel better next year on both sides of, of basketball. Um, and then I think Eric has talked a lot about, and it's something I've been giving a lot of thought since we unfortunately had the season in before it should have that like, and I think they've made progress on this the last two years, which is what guts me about PJ hall. Like, because I love his basketball game and I love his mind for the game. And I watched him play a lot when I could on in high school. And I'm not sure he's really a great fit for what they want to do, Eric. And so I think it was a tough thing to say no to him and they managed to do it. So maybe that's progress there. And we just won't, we don't know it yet, but I would say they need to recruit to what they want to do better. Um, and they've started to do that, but you know, it took them a couple years. And so I think they got behind as for a letter grade, I I'd give them a C. Uh, this season. And I know people are going to be mad because C means average, but like, I do think that the adjustments on offense were really good and that they helped uh, a ton, which is why that they were able to be an efficient team. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that the staff's reluctance to make defensive adjustments hurt the team's final record. Yeah. The letter grade's tough. I, I mean, 
I, I kind of wanted to say something in the realm of a, of a C, uh, just because uh, maybe it's just like a, it's a safe answer. Maybe it's the right answer. But I, I would say I look at the way Florida recruited. And uh, I, I mean, as much as it didn't super kind of fit the strengths in, in every in every way, I mean, like, you got Scotty Lewis, you got Trey Mann, you got Kerry Blackshear, you found Quez Glover late, who was a contributor. Uh, you yeah. found Jason Jatsobo late, who was a contributor. Like, I, I think they've got to get a, you know, still get really high grades for, uh, for their recruiting. Um, and uh, I, I do think just in terms of like on the floor kind of coaching, um, I'd, I'd have to give them something below a C uh, for just kind of the, uh, uh, what they did in game. Some of the, some of the, uh, uh, some of the uh, the game plans going into these games. I, I, I mean, I would say like on the floor, like I, I would say like a, a D, uh, but I would say, hey, they, they recruited at a, at a high level. So uh, so I will actually end up on a C with what you said, Neil, but uh, I, I will specify that I do think that they were uh, below average in terms of like on the court coaching or All in right. game coaching, I should say. Fair enough. A couple people, Gator Bid 08. Um, Let's see. Yeah, Gator Bit 08, uh, Mike Witt, uh, not to be confused with Mike White, asked about personnel and transitioning back to more motion offense. Uh, do you think Florida will do that, or will they be more set-based? I think they could be a little more motion-based with Appleby and his ability to penetrate. Uh, Eric? I, I Just something that with the phrasing that I think probably needs to be cleared up a little bit because sometimes I think that we use the terms motion and then we also use dribble drive. And I think some people start to use them synonymously. Sure. Which sure. is like, which, uh, so I think that uh, just for some people, maybe not, uh, you know, ask the question, but, um, you know, well, like still, I think a lot of what Florida did near the end of the year was their motion offense. It was just a very structured motion offense where uh, the ball needed to start with getting it into the high post. Uh, run, pinch post running over top of that high post uh, a down screen that went into a ball screen like it really was like a, a motion offense it just looked a lot more structured where so I, I do think a lot of people when they do think motion offense they do think the more uh, dribble drive where it's it doesn't really matter which players start at what position and then uh, a player makes a pass and then he cuts through or he goes and sets a screen or uh, he goes and sets a, uh, goes for a dribble handoff something like that like uh, so in terms of like uh, and that's kind of what Florida started the season with, for sure, was was the dribble drive. And I, I, I do think with uh, with Appleby getting in there, uh, even with like Daruji as another guy who's you know bigger and can handle the ball, like they could get more into the uh, uh, into the dribble drive. But uh, I also think that Florida did play a lot of uh, like this is something I wanted to write about or talk about. I, I didn't think it was like it got enough play, but I mean Florida did start to run a lot less screen and roll at the end of the year. They completely eliminated the wedge ball screen, which I identified as their most productive set. When yeah. I did my article, like three quarters. They didn't run it at all the last couple of weeks of the year. And they just got out of a little of some of the sets that they were running and became a lot more motion offense at the end of the year, even though it was like more structured than I think what people think of when they think motion, because sometimes they hear motion and I think that they think dribble drive. Uh, but for all those points, I, I do think they're probably going to be uh, be more of a motion team and maybe get back into the dribble drive that they, uh, they've wanted to run over the last few years. Jeff Dedolfson, uh, which player would benefit the most from staying another season? This is one where Eric and I have had like some interesting debates, I think. Uh, to me, um, you know, I, I, for a while, I thought it was Keontae Johnson. Uh, which I know is kind of a bizarre answer. Like, why would Florida's best player 
merit staying another year. And I think it, to me, it was kind of like he put all this stuff on film and it was me not necessarily trusting front offices as much as I should. Uh, it kind of shows my naivete as it relates to like the draft process. Um, but it was like February, mid-February before people realized how good Keontae Johnson was. And, you know, I don't want to like pat for a basketball hour on the back, but I mean, I think Eric and I were talking about how good he was in like September, you know? And, and so I felt like if he came back, he could have another year sort of like Grant Williams where he was an SEC player of the year type guy. And then maybe he's a lottery pick. So for me, it was like, go get that money. Um, but you know, I, Quite honestly, I think the answer is really clear. I think it's Scotty Lewis. Uh, I think that Scotty is a little overrated defensively. I know the I should, the, the word overrated sounds harsh, but I don't like the way Scotty defends closeouts. I still think he's kind of spastic uh, with that. Like run and leap is like his main defense on the perimeter, and I'm not sure that that's very disciplined. It's going to get him hurt in the league some until he plays a little more disciplined. I don't like that he reaches so much defensively. Like, I think he can improve things defensively from a discipline standpoint. And some of that's just how much high-level basketball have you played. And it gets back to a point that Eric made that I think is a great point, that at Ranny, um, you know, New Jersey prep basketball, for whatever year reason, that year, not that elite. We saw what happened with Khalil Whitney. Uh that's just one example. I mean, players have struggled to make that transition. We saw Scotty Lewis not really play great till February. Obviously immensely talented, but but I think so there's that. And and notice that I could spend 90 seconds there without even bringing up his offense. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I, 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 uh, this is one where I feel confident I'm right because I was wrong for months and months, and now I've shifted. And, and I think – overwhelming answer is Scotty Lewis. Scotty Lewis should come back to school. And I think if he leaves, it's a mistake. Well, I mean, this is uh, who would benefit most. I, I, it's, it's kind of an, or I forget exactly how he phrased the question. Which player would benefit the most? Okay. So that's, that is an interesting way of phrasing the question just because is it who would benefit most as in who would get better? Because without a doubt, that is Scotty Lewis. I just think he's far and away the least refined out of those three players. And therefore, uh, yeah, I think that an, another year would uh, in another year, I think he's going to be uh, his growth will be more than either of those two players, other, other players. Uh, but in terms of like what would benefit, like uh, in, in terms of like draft stock, I'm still not entirely sure that you, you, like, honestly, Scotty Lewis could he could take another step both offensively and defensively and, uh, and, and a relatively big one. And I still don't think that like necessarily makes him like a surefire NBA player. So uh, yeah, in terms of like what, who would like, what would benefit him? Like I just am interested if he means like benefit most by just who would become, you know, a better basketball player. It's definitely Scotty Lewis in terms of who would benefit most from like an NBA draft standpoint i do think you could make an argument for really any of those three players uh just because i'm just you know still not sure that uh, uh a year of some improvement from from lewis would make him like the surefire nba guy and that's kind of the reason why i think that he might be wise to uh to go to the league this year interesting and and i don't think anything substantively is wrong with anything eric just said other than like i rarely offer the 
And I don't mean like mistake as in like, oh, you know, uh, what an idiot. You know, I, I don't mean it in a judgmental way. Uh, so I hate the word mistake because that's kind of how it's gotten framed in the media. I'm all for if a kid wants to go and, and get paid, you know, that's great. I just think Scotty Lewis hurts himself financially if he leaves. Um, and, and I think he can help himself immensely financially. I guess I have more confidence that he returns to like lottery status if he comes back. Uh, because I saw a lot of things in February offensively that encouraged me. And I think the defense with him, like I'm being critical of it and Eric was critical of it. And some of that was like, because of this narrative around him that he was so good at defense, Eric, when like you could tell somebody listened and said, you could tell that you guys coach because of the way that you talk about Scotty Lewis on defense. And I was like, that's hilarious, but also, <laughs> but also probably true. You know? Well, yeah, there's a lot of talent Like you could see what an elite defender he can become, but I, I'm sorry. He's just not one yet. I just kind of like, I just have a problem with that. I think a lot of people really like really think that effort is like synonymous with defensive quality and Scotty Lewis does not lack for effort. There's no question. I think that people see his motor and they just assume that that means he's a great defender. And I just think if you go through his, his film, like you're going to see some great recovery plays where he just uses his length and athleticism and anticipation to make some great, great, uh, unbelievable plays. But if you just look at like, uh, general defense and especially like what would translate to the league uh, you're just not going to see a lot of like uh, elite defensive quality there you're going to see some good defensive quality you're going to see some problems uh, and hey I would challenge anyone to go find a number out there that really points to him being uh, anything more than an average to you know a lot of the numbers make him look like a below average defender which I don't think he's a below average defender but no multiple numbers point in that direction it's certainly worth like yeah considering so uh, so yeah, just he, he's someone who would be drafted a lot on defensive pedigree, who's just didn't have a great defensive year at Florida. Yeah, no, I mean all these things are uh, good. This is just good points all around. Um, Justin Fortner asks if Florida will be better defensively last year with or without Scotty Lewis. Speaking of defense, oh, uh, hmm. I would. S- that's a great question. Do you have a, do you have a take? I, I... Yes, I have a take. Go for it. My take is that Omar Payne will get better and that Anthony DeRuji will give them kind of a Justin Leon nastiness and they'll be a little bit better on defense. Oh, is this like, will the team next year be better defensively? Or was yeah. this with... Yes. Well, okay. With or, with oh, or without... Still thinking was... oh, okay, well, I mean you could start with just looking at the straight up on off numbers with, with Lewis and seeing that the team was better with him off the floor defensively. Than <laughs> on the floor. So that's one place to, that you could look at. Yeah. And that's, uh, and that's factoring in that. I do think that, uh, that Omar Payne is going to take a step defensively and uh, Jatobo will too. And presumably every other returner is going to bring, uh, right. uh, bring, you know, better defense. And, uh, you know, Appleby, he might have some, some tough moments defensively just as a smaller guy, but he's really quick and he'll, he competes and, and pressures the ball. But um, yeah, I think I, Quest, Quest Glover is going to be a more productive steals guy off the bench next season. Yeah, I mean, he, he showed some, some – uh, he had the biggest adjustment from high school basketball to SEC basketball, and he still showed some moments that he could do that. So, uh, And yeah, just – you know, I – 
maybe it's uh, naive or ignorant, but I think you just, uh, for me, I just always assume that guys are going to be better defenders as sophomores than, than freshmen. So uh, yeah, I just would have to think that Florida is, uh, is going to be better defensively next year. Uh, Gator boss 904. What's the one thing you'd like to see them improve on the most next season? Great question. Hmm. That is like, I, I mean the, the easy answer would be like, well, not the easy answer. One answer you could go with is, you know, Florida was tw- ended the season 27th in adjusted offensive efficiency via Ken Palm and 61st defensively. And I think you could actually say that like, if Florida were to hypothetically stay at 27th offensively, uh, they could still be a really good team if their defense improved drastically. Uh, whereas if Florida stays at 61st defensively, uh, their ceiling is going to be fairly low or, you know, not super high at, at least. So I think for that reason, you say, uh, I'd love to see Florida improve defensively. But I also just look at Mike White's time in Florida and his teams have been really good defensively more than they've been bad defensively. So I kind of like almost assume that Florida is just going to be better defensively next year, which is like, potentially a very very wrong statement uh that i'm uh-huh. very wrong on uh but so so i still i still kind of want to say i still want florida to improve offensively like i still look at florida's numbers offensively and i i look at a lot of what florida did and they definitely put together that one really good stretch at the start of the sec season um i'm still surprised they finished that high in offense like like i i, I still don't think that florida was like if you were to really say you know who are the best 27 ba- offensive basketball teams Florida would not be in that for me. And I, I think that they were like, they just weren't, I, I think that the numbers actually look better than what I maybe thought they were. So um, I still would like to see the team uh, improve offensively though. That's kind of on the assumption that they're just going to naturally return a little bit more to the defense, but that, which, yeah, that could be a, be a very damaging statement. But anyways, uh, what do you think? Neil? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, I think they need to get a little better defensively. Um, and you know, while not sacrificing the offensive progress they made, here's an interesting thing in their last eight games. All right. Cause normally the metric is last 10, uh, that Vegas, like Vegas loves last 10, by the way, when they set odds, I have a friend who does handicapping. And he told me one of the three biggest things that they do when they handicap the NCAA tournament is look at last 10 games. Because traditionally, it's very rare to not be hot and make a long run. Like it usually you have done. Now, there are teams that will lose in their conference tournament, you know, before the final or something. But usually they've played pretty well, Eric. And like they just get beat in their conference tournament. But then they rally. Auburn, um, you know, wins the SEC tournament, goes on the big run, but there are examples of that, the opposite happening and, and it's still being true. Anyway, so in in Haslam metrics, Florida was 29th in positive momentum, but the, the number that stood out to my guy in Vegas was that in their last eight games, Florida was ninth in the country in turnover market. In other words, Florida was playing like really good Mike White teams have, and I say really good Mike White teams because I know and I know this is an argument that the Hive yells at me about. I think there have been two really good Mike White teams, the one that was second in the country in quad one wins and lost to Texas Tech, and then the Elite Eight team. Those teams were tremendous at protecting the ball. Florida got better at that as the season went on, Eric. And I think when they got better at the ball, better at protecting the ball, 
they were a little bit better offensively, even though they lacked the go-to score that would have made them like elite offensively. So I, I'd like to see if Tyree Appleby can be that elite score. I think Eric's right. I think Florida can sustain what they build offensively. And then I'd just like to see them improve on defense, uh, particularly at the basket where, you know, Florida wasn't a tremendous uh, team in terms of near proximity defensive uh, field goal percentage. Uh, 160th in the country. It's kind of in the middle. You want to be better than that. Thoughts on on my take that was way too long? Oh, no. Like, uh, yeah, it it makes sense. And it is interesting to look at. uh, I actually have one statement that I was going to make, and then I wanted you to respond to it. And then I'm going to ask you a question. So you can, uh, I'll give my statement and then my question. Um, While I do not think this was a good basketball team, I do think it was a really good coaching job. And that was uh, Coach White's first year in Florida, where he inherited uh, the team with a losing record uh, from Billy Donovan. And, uh, you know, they went to an NIT just, and that's another team where they were 42nd. I looked at the number the other day for some, for an article I was thinking about, but uh, that was another team that took really good care of the basketball and uh, generated a lot of turnovers. So uh, while I wouldn't put that first year in the, uh, the good team category, I do look at that year. Like when I look back at it, I do say that was a good coaching job. Like that team competed with not a ton of talent and the kind of groundwork was there for, uh, for what happened the, the next year. So uh, you can tell me what you think of that. And then my other question for you uh, is what do you think Florida finishes? This is of course tough to say because we don't know exactly what the roster is going to look like and there's major pieces moving, but what do you think Florida is going to finish higher in offensive efficiency or defensive efficiency? So I actually think they're going to finish higher in offenses because I'm buying into the Tyree Apple behind you've been selling. Oh, yeah. I also think that – so, like, one, what was the flaw we saw in October, right? The flaw we saw was a lack of wings. Keep in mind that I think Scotty Lewis is coming back. So, like, I think you have Lewis, Resensev, and Daruji. But even if I'm wrong uh, and it's just Resensev and Daruji, I still think Florida has, like, those two guys plus Trey Mann getting better at attacking the basket – getting more confident at it. And I just think Florida gets more efficient looks at the rim. So they're a little less reliant on like Noah Locke shooting well. Um, and, you know, I think that means that they become better offensively, especially if Andrew Nimhart is back. Cause you know, I keep like, why would Andrew come back? I think Andrew would come back to, because he's the kind of guy who, if he gets old, and makes that extended NCAA tournament run, maybe he proves how good he is on film repeatedly and people stop worrying about his athleticism. That's, I guess, my logic there, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I, I, I'm really not sure what I think Florida is going to – like. I, it just it, – it probably hinges, you know. Uh, yeah, it hinges a lot on if Nemhard and, uh, and Keontae Johnson are back. But uh, uh, I think that obviously coming off a year where Florida was significantly better in the metrics offensively than defensively, it's, it's probably safe to, uh, to say that they'd finish higher offensively. But uh, I, I obviously I think if Mike White has his, has his way, this defense gets back up to what it's been under him, and that's top 20. And I'm not sure I think this team would be, uh, would be top 20 offensively. I think it would be uh, somewhere in the realm of what it is now, 27. Maybe it gets up to 23, 22. I'm just not sure if it'll be top 20. But I, I think that, like, I still look at, like, obviously not this past season, but the the year before, like, Coach White got a 
team that had to play Jalen Hudson a lot of minutes and, and play, play small a lot of minutes. He had that team in the top 20 defensively, and uh, that made me believe that he could get most teams. Uh, now I'll say most. I probably said all a couple of years ago. I, I think he can get most teams to, uh, to a top 20 defensive. So uh, we'll see what he can do next year. Yeah, yeah, we definitely will. Uh, we will see what he can do next year. Connor O'Gara, Saturday Down South. Which SEC player are you guys going to miss the most, or which one were you most looking forward to watching in the NCAA tournament that you didn't get to see? And now, Connor wrote a great article about Skyler Mays, so shout out to Connor for that if you haven't read it at SDS. Um, and he was certainly one of them for me uh, that, that I was really pumped uh, to see. But, you know, at the risk of sounding like the guy who cheers for the rival, because I don't. Like I, you know, it'd be great if they lost to the 13 seed in the first round. But, Eric, I was really looking forward to seeing uh, SEC Player of the Year Emmanuel quickly and SEC Player of the Year runner-up Nick Richards play in the NCAA tournament. I thought it was going to be a sight to see. Uh, yeah, I, re- I really like watching Nick Richards play. I- I- I'm a big fan. Uh, these are two guys that, like, uh, well, one of them, their teams for sure wouldn't make the NCAA tournament, but one had a little bit of a chance. But, uh, you know, Reggie Perry is the kind of guy that I could see if Mississippi State found their way into the dance that uh, that he's just, you know, could have one of those like 17 rebound games and like get 25 points because he hits a bunch of threes. Like he's someone that I could see being one of those like March heroes. So uh, I would have loved to have seen Reggie Perry play just uh, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, someone that I'm going to miss uh, just watching play and their team would uh, would not make the tournament is is Kyra Lewis. I just think he was so much fun to watch. And he's someone who uh, very politely uh, was a very excellent basketball player, very excellent scorer, who never really torched the Gators. So, like, I, I very much, you know, it's it's nice to appreciate a guy like that. Like, I love watching Bree and Tyree play, but he was just, uh, yeah, he just had, had some good games against the Gators. So uh, uh, <laughs> that's someone who I, like, maybe won't miss as much. But Kyra Lewis, right in the sweet spot of super fun to play, or super fun to watch when he's not playing the Gators, uh, and when he played the when he played Florida, he was good but not great. Yeah, yeah, we uh, we always got kind of lucky with uh, with Kyra, I guess. Like he would have like the ridiculous steal, uh, where like he'd look like Julio Jones, you know, <laughs> like running to, running down the sideline, and then he'd miss the layup. <laughs> and uh, I, I do have to say, because I'm sure someone is listening to this and being like, wow, this guy's an idiot. Just because, so I, I'm assuming that Kyra Lewis is going to the NBA draft. Uh, he's like obviously a sophomore. So I'm not like, yeah. you know, I, I, we didn't just have a senior night or anything. But uh, that's also the, and, and Reggie Perry as well. But I think that, that was a little bit more known that he'd be going to, to the draft. I, I am assuming that Kyra Lewis is as well. So just so anyone who's like, man, Kyra Lewis is a sophomore, that's, uh, that's, that's why I brought him up. We'll close with uh, Coach Eddie Shannon. Former Gator great, his question to us was Casey Calvary over the back. Yes, that's so. Okay, it's funny. Watch the film. First first of all, yes. Let's bring this back to the three-on-three conversation that I had earlier. The last three-on-three event that I went to with uh, with Canada's team, uh, they were playing against one of the American teams, who's not one of the like. So actually, it's actually funny. Uh, America's like like the the American three on three team that's like the best uh, has Canyon Barry on it right now. They're one of the highest rated American teams, as well as Robbie Hummel uh, for you college basketball fans out there. Uh, so it'd be you know the, if the Olympics happened, Canyon Barry is very well might be an Olympian. 
Uh, but also, so anyways, the last game I was at, there was another team with a bunch of Princeton alumni uh, and Calvary, and he was playing uh, on that team. Uh, three on three basketball definitely has a slant to some of the older uh, players who have finished their five on five careers. Uh, but anyways, uh, I got to ask him and I looked him in the eye and uh, said, well, actually, I said, can I please have a picture with you? And I was going to post it on Twitter and it was going to be uh, it was going to be quite funny. I thought because Gator fans would get a, a look at this guy that uh, broke a lot of their hearts. Uh, and then he said, sure. And then I asked him, uh, hey, do you think that that was a foul? And he did not find the comment to be funny. And I did not get that picture with him, needless to say. And that is my Calvary story. I, and that was definitely before I was a fan. Like, I think people people know that that was before my time. But obviously, I'm very aware of it. I've seen the play many times. And it was circulating Twitter a lot. But, uh, yeah, do not, if you ever were to see him, do not, uh, do not ask him if he fouled or if he went over the back because uh, he did not appreciate it. Yeah, well, I mean, he did. So, like, I guess <laughs> if you go over the back and, like, you know you did, it's got to be a burden. So, like, after 20 years of knowing you go over the back, when somebody finally calls you on it, like, yeah, I imagine you're a little salty. Uh, can I ask a question? Because I just genuinely do not know. Um, the way that the game was officiated back then, would that have been, like, you know what I mean? Like, if that play happened now, of course, we look at it and say that's over the back. Is that, like, I didn't watch basketball back then. Were people just climbing up each other's backs in basketball back then? Like, is there is it officiated no, I mean, like, Is there any justification? No. Nah, no, there's not. I mean, Eddie, I think Eddie just asked to have fun because, I mean, Eddie, Eddie has, has said forever that that he was over the back. And Brent, if you ask Brent Wright, we should get Brent on the show. Because, like, Brent, Brent was salt. Uh, put it this way. I saw Brent at a basketball clinic, I don't know, could have been more than four or five years ago. And... Like, Brent is still kind of annoyed about it. You know, like, all the things that they accomplished the next season. And, like, Brent's Mac is, like, Eddie Shannon and Greg Stoltz's career ended on, like, what should have been an easy call. And watch the video. Like, he climbs on top of his shoulders. <laughs> like, well, I hope, people do at I hope people do at least get some satisfaction of knowing that I looked him in the eye. Which was like, you know, like I'm like about a That's foot amazing. shorter than him. That I looked him up in the eye and said, like, hey, did you foul him? And uh, yeah, like I said, uh, he he gave me a look. Uh, and uh, yeah, we didn't get the, I didn't get that photo that day, and it just never made it to Twitter. But uh, yeah, he's still uh, he's still playing for uh, for a, a team of large, of like Princeton alumni, and then himself uh, in the three on three circuit, and he's going to be uh, trying to make the Olympics as well. But uh, it's going to be tough for him to get that uh, to get that American one over uh, the team of. Uh, of Robbie Hummel and Canyon Barry, and I, maybe Canyon Barry at one point can get his left arm on the shoulder and climb up for a putback. We'll uh, we'll have to see. Oh man, that's good stuff. So uh, I set the Twitterers ablaze with my four Gator legends you'd want to be quarantined with question. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wow. I chose yeah I chose Steve Spurrier because he's hilarious. Um, Joe Kim Noah, because he's hilarious. Alex McMurtry, because you always want to have a five foot tall world class gymnast around. <laughs> you, you just never know when that can be useful. Um, and then, oh, Fred Taylor, because he was like the first Gator player I remember thinking was really awesome. Like, he just ran people over. And, like, I'm like a little kid, and I'm like, dude, that guy. 
It's so fast, it's so strong, and it's unfair that he plays on a football team. And that was like my first sports take. So I had to have Fred Taylor in there. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty. So, all of these answers are just amazing. Like, just amazing. Uh, but a lot of people have gone with like Torian Green, Al Horford, Joe Kim Noah, and Corey Brewer, which, you know, mad respect. Just pick the O4s. <laughs> Well, I think that, well, I was going to say, like, like I'll give mine. And unfortunately, like, I just don't have the, uh, the football knowledge that I know a lot of people would, uh, would require for, uh, or at least like to see from it, from an answer. So this is definitely going to have a basketball slant. Um, but someone that, uh, that I would love to have is Bradley Beal. I just think personality wise, he's the kind yeah. of guy that you, uh, and I don't know if you remember, but when he came into the season two years ago in the NBA and he was, uh, he was overweight and, uh, they, you know, they asked, you know, like, why are you overweight? And he's, he mentioned that his wife was pregnant and he stayed up eating ice cream with her so that she wouldn't feel alone uh, <laughs> just binging ice cream. And I'm like, that's the kind of guy I want to be quarantined with. Uh, so it's him. Yeah. Uh, it's joking. It's joking. Noah. Uh, clearly, yeah. Cause it's, and he's hilarious. Um, and then uh, I'd probably do Tim Tebow. I know that's another soft answer, but him and me can like do Bible study together. It'd be good. It'd be, it'd be nice to have that. Yeah, that influence sure. around the house. And uh, someone else, uh, maybe for just pure entertainment. Oh, how about Ryan Lochte? Just for like, I know he can make like, a reality <laughs> show. <laughs> Although joking, no one might kill him by, by the end of quarantine. I'm not sure. But I'll go I Ryan Lochte and maybe, maybe we can have like a, a TMZ like, or like a reality show or something. I, I just love it because like with Brad Beal's kind of like understated sense of humor and like kind of somewhat quiet personality like him just watching Joe Kim and Ryan Lochte. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, those interactions would be so marvelous. Like, oh. honestly, of yours, like, yeah, I mean, I, I get Tebow. That's pretty solid. We've seen, I mean, there's, been some, yeah, there's been some good ones. <laughs> there's been some really good, like, one was, uh, one was Jason Williams. So you got white chocolate, uh, Joe Kim, Brad Beal, and Abby Wambach. Because, <laughs> 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 like, Abby, like, is so loud and, like, rah-rah and, like, run through a wall. And then, like, just, you know, like, Williams and Joe Kim. And again, it would just be, like, Brad Beal and you just, like, being, like, what is going on right now? Uh, yeah, so many, so many good answers, man, but. But yeah, because people were like, why'd you pick Alex McMurtry? And I'm like, well, in addition to being like the greatest gymnast in UF history, <laughs> it's always good to have a five foot tall gymnast around when you're with Joe Kim Noah, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that is what's just great about the University of Florida. I mean, there's it's just so many sports <laughs> to choose from. Uh, I could have gotten a coach so. in there like you did, but yeah, I should have <laughs> picked Ryan. That's that's my selfish gain of like, hey, can you like this reality show of Tim Tebow, Ryan Lochte, Joakim Noah, and Brad Beal, and you know myself? Uh, and I just, yeah, <laughs> like you mentioned, I just imagine like some like dry humor, like something really clever for Brad Beal, and just like the blank stare on Ryan Lochte's face as he doesn't get it. Oh, it would be good. Okay, well, Duke fan just dropped in and asked if ninety two. He says ninety two Duke is beating two thousand seven Florida. So I'm tweeting back, nah, it's an L. And we, <laughs> and we will uh, we will end the show with my hot take on Twitter that 2007 Florida beats Christian Leitner uh, and 92 Duke. Because you know what? 
I'll, I'll keep it clean on this family-friendly show and just say, no, Christian Leitner. We'll leave it at that. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we've got some more fun stuff coming up next week.